We're in the book of Nehemiah. We're going to be talking about chapter 4 today. I have an encouraging word from you from Jesus. Uh, he wants to let you know that he sees you, loves you, and is for you, and is right there in the midst of all that is going on. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 4, let's go ahead and pray over the word this morning. Bless you, Lord. Jesus, thank you for your presence here this morning. Thank you that you love us, that you're with us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you never leave us nor forsake us, Father. So I pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear you this morning. Really, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear. That you would expose the lies of Satan, Father. That you would make it clear that even if it's just a simple prick of our heart to say, hey, pay attention here. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal Jesus this morning. By, you, uh, by your ability to uh, speak to us the word that is him, him, Lord. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. We want to be changed this morning, Lord. We're not here being religious, Father. We want relationship, and we want it deeper with you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for it, and we pray in your powerful name, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Now, we've been talking about Nehemiah now for a number of weeks, and we've been talking about building the walls and having that apostolic calling to be able to see what Jesus has for us, because all of us are sent, small a apostolic, not big A capital calling, but small a apostolic. All of us are sent out. If you don't think, if you don't think that, read Matthew chapter 28, go ye therefore. So you're all sent to some degree, and you're all sent to where you live right now. That is your mission field. You're there. You bring Jesus daily to that area. You bring Jesus daily. You carry him. As soon as you wake up in the morning, you carry Jesus throughout the day. And he stays with you. And, and that is your honor and privilege. And so in that place where you're bringing Jesus, a lot of times the walls are broken down. Things are destroyed. The enemy's gotten in and he's caused, he's caused havoc because Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give life and life more abundant. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So Jesus loves to give you, as the head of the church, loves to speak to your heart an area where the wall is broken down so that you can begin to go, okay, Jesus, how do I build this wall up? And he says, see that brick there? Put it there. And you begin to build with Jesus the wall back up. Now, that wall can be a million different things. It might be marriages. It might be finances. It might be at a job. It might be a community thing. It might be a social justice thing. Whatever it is that Jesus is pointing out to you, it is because Jesus desires to speak into that area, and he wants to use you to shine your light into that area. Okay? This is what we're focusing on here on Nehemiah 4. And so as we've gone over the weeks, we've discovered that how, how Jesus walks us out, and you can listen to those past sermons and look them up there on our podcast. But we get to the point where we begin to work. And last week, Dennis talked about the work. And, and Nehemiah 3 is all about the guys just picked up where they were and began to build. And some guys built in two different places. I don't know if you caught that. Anybody catch that? The same group built in two different places. Did you catch that in your reading? So they were building and it was a wide group. It was the priest. It was these guys. It was people outside. It was the goldsmith. It made me wonder when I saw the goldsmith there. Was everything like sprinkled with gold dust or whatever? I mean, was it like the glowing part of the wall? You know, was it or was it just, you know, anyway. It was this wide group of people there building. 
And then what happens? Once you get engaged, once you begin to move forward, guess what, guys? You begin to face opposition. Anytime you begin to walk in and show Jesus, Satan, Satan wants to shut you down. Satan wants you to stop believing in Jesus, stop showing Jesus, stop talking about Jesus. He wants you to hide your light and put it under a bushel, and he'll do everything he can to get you to shut down and hide your light and hide your witness. And he hits you in ways so that you uh, get discouraged uh, uh, and, and begin to turn inward and away from outward, away from showing the light of Jesus. We see in James chapter 1, this is an important verse. This is one of those verses, I think, that as we read it at times, we're like, I wish this wasn't there. It says in James chapter 1, verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers and my sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its uh, full effect that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking in nothing. We all are going to face opposition. Jesus said in the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He didn't say, hey guys, it's going to be rough, but I'm going to take you out of there. Well, that got quiet fast. He said, guys, it's going to be rough, but I want you to understand, I have walked through it, I have overcome, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. So during those rough times, when the sea is rough, if you will get your eyes on me, I will show you how to walk through that season. So that Isaiah 43 is walked out, that Though you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. Though you walk through the flood, you will not drown. Yes. He says here in James, count it all joy. I think the first thing that I want you to realize, and I want just to settle it in your heart, it is perfectly normal to face opposition when you are carrying Jesus. That is a normal part of life. You'll go through seasons of greater opposition and lesser opposition, but you will have opposition your entire walk with Jesus because Satan hates him and hates you because you carry him. But God is a God of overcoming. And so though it's normal to face opposition, it is also normal to be able to rub it in the face of Satan when Jesus brings you the victory. 1966, in the month of April, Time Magazine had a cover that asked the question because society was dictating it all the time, is God dead? It was a famous cover of Time Magazine, April 3rd, 1966. Society was a mess. Everyone thought, oh, it's, it's over. Is God dead? Does anyone really even believe in God anymore? Out of this, because people began to look to Jesus and seek him out, Jesus was found, seeking ye shall find. And it brought about the, one of the great revolutions called the Jesus Revolution or the Jesus Movement. Five years later, Time Magazine's cover is the Jesus Revolution. Five years later. It's perfectly normal to see opposition 
from Satan, it's perfectly normal to know that Jesus has an answer or a way through that opposition. You have uh, King Hezekiah. He's uh, ruling and then uh, Sennacherib, the Assyrian ruler, comes in and says, I'm, I don't know how to pronounce it correctly. I'm just going to say Sennacherib. That's, that's the correct way today. We don't have any Assyrian experts here this morning, do we? But he comes in and he says, I'm going to destroy. Is your God even alive? He does one of these, isn't God dead? You know, I've, I've been battling people all these years and they always say our gods will protect us. And then I overthrow them, destroy them, and I get to carry their gods out and burn them. And, have, and since their gods can't protect them, is your God going to be able to protect you? This is what he comes to Hezekiah with. Hezekiah then goes, Jesus, what are we going to do? Lord, help us. We need to hear your word. God says, don't worry about it. I'm bigger than this guy. And the angel goes in, and 185,000 of their army die of a plague that night. Overnight, 185,000. A little bit of research that I did, it was the 185,000. It was all the commanding officers and the best warriors that died. It was the best of the best of his army that died. It's interesting. Now, you can settle and go, man, I'm facing opposition. This is getting bad. I better just give up. Or you can go, Jesus, it's getting bad. I need to hear from you what your answer is to this Sennacherib. What your answer is to this Time magazine cover. What is your answer, Jesus? What are you saying in this situation? This is normal again. Remember when uh, Nebuchadnezzar came in? What was God saying? What was God's answer to this one? And you can, go, you can go on and on and on. The entire Bible is full of stories of people who faced problems, opposition, and looked to Jesus or did not look to Jesus to find out what God's solution was. Those that heard God's solution latched a hold of it and walked into a victorious situation through believing in God. When he says in Romans 8 that all things work for the good of those who love him. That isn't just a, you know, life is horrible, but no, hold on. This is for your good. God bless you. It's not just that. It is a believe God, look for his best, and walk through because one day this is going to turn into a victorious testimony of the love of Jesus. You guys are awful quiet this morning. I know it's not fun. But if you switch your attitude and begin to trust Jesus and begin to look, you will begin to walk into the victory that Nebuchadnezzar does, Nebuchadnezzar, that Nehemiah does when he's here and he faces in, in Nehemiah chapter 4, he begins to face opposition. It didn't shut him down. He didn't run away. He did just the opposite. He said, God, I hear you. I'm standing my ground. Number one, it's normal. Number two, there are benefits to opposition. When Jesus says, count it all joy through, through James, when Jesus says this to you, count it all joy, he's wanting you to understand the benefits of opposition. Let me give you just four little practical, real quick things, and you can sit and have coffee with me sometime, and I'll, I'll walk through more examples of these. But just super practical things. Number one, it's going to refine your message. Part of your opposition might be the fact that you're just communicating it poorly. 
How many have ever been, uh, you start to do something and you realize the, it isn't Jesus' fault that it's failing. It's, it's your fault because you're just communicating it very poorly. And if you refine your message, a lot of times we don't refine our message until we face opposition and we learn to communicate. See, Jesus is the word, it's, so it's the testimony. It's learning how to get the testimony out in a productive way instead of, I, I can take Jesus and beat you over the head with him. You know, I can take my Bible and just knock you upside the head with my Bible. That ain't communicating Jesus. It's communicating Jesus, but it's not communicating Jesus. You know what I mean? Anybody want to get hit? There's effective ways to do it. So it could be just refining your message. It could be refining your work, meaning what you have zeroed in and what you have heard from Jesus to do may not be exactly the right, and when you hit the opposition, it refines it down in particular to what he's actually told you to do. You just looked at it wrong because we filter things, guys. Oh, no, brother man. I hear the Lord always, purely. No, we hear the Lord, but we filter it, and it's good to have three or four witnesses there who are able for us to help us refine it down to what Jesus is actually saying to us, not just what our emotions are, our past, or religious experiences are filtering the word of the Lord to us. The old Russian Bible. Uh, you know what Malachi 3, 6, I think it's Malachi 3, uh, I forgot what it is. It's where it says, uh, if you hate her, give her a writ of divorce. P put her away. You know what I'm talking about? The Lord hates divorce. It, that's what it's talking about. Sorry, it actually says the Lord hates divorce. I apologize. That's what it says in English, and that's what it says in Hebrew. The Lord hates the putting away. The Lord hates that you did, did this, and you put away your wives with a writ of divorce. In the old Russian Bible, it's mistranslated. The old Russian Bible. And it says, if you hate her, divorce her. That's why we have multiple people to speak into and say, okay, this is wrong, and you need to get this corrected. It's important to have some of the opposition is good opposition that the Lord sends. It's painful, but it's good because it gets you thinking and gets you hearing the Lord so that the work that he's called you to do will be completed. The third thing that it refines, opposition, refines your character. Oh, praise Jesus. We all love refinement of character. We all love the fruit of the Spirit. I, I love the fruit of the Spirit on the wall. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I love the fruit of the Spirit when it's shown toward me. But gaining the character to refine and walk out the fruit of the Spirit it can be challenging. I can remember when I first moved to Russia, the Lord spent a, a good year refining in me patience. Uh, because patience is not a high value in our culture. We, have, we live in a microwave drive through culture. Patience is not a... And uh, that first year in Russia, uh, patience was ground into me. And it was, very, it was very painful, but it was very good for me. I think I'm a halfway decent uh, patient person. I'm not saying that because I want to be tested. 
I remember one time I needed to get ice cream. I might have told you this story before, but I needed to get ice cream for our youth service. And so I went to the ice cream store because under the Soviet system, uh, there were ice cream stores, and that's all they sold was the one ice cream. It was just one ice cream, and that's all they sold. And there were like four in the city of Ivanova, and the closest one was this one right there on Pushkin Square. Pushkin's a, a Russian poet. And I went to a, a Russian poet who wrote in French, by the way. Uh, so I went to the uh, Pushkin Square Morozhna magazine, the, the ice cream store, and I went up, and just as I had gotten there, they closed for their one-hour lunch, which... Every store had a different break period. It wasn't like everybody's closed at noon. It was every store was different. So you just never knew unless you had it memorized, you know. And I got there just as she was locking the door. And I said, I just need, you know, I need, uh, I forget what it was, how many kilograms of marojna, you know. And she's like, I'm sorry, we're closed. So I was like, okay, by the time it takes me, I didn't have a car. So by the time I ride transport, I'm, not, I'm just going to wait here. So I sat there on the steps of this ice cream place for the hour. Now, remember, I had said to her, can I just get two kilograms of, of ice cream? And she said, no, we're closed. Okay, so I sat there an entire hour. Finally, and, I, as, and as a full-blooded, red-blooded American, my uh, patience was long gone and my temper had raised. God bless me. Thank you, Jesus, for his love. And uh, so she gets there, she opens the door, I walk into the counter, she walks slowly back behind the counter, she gets behind the counter, puts her hands down, looks at me, like she doesn't know what I want, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, um, I would like, this is in broken English, because my, my Russian was horrible, you know. Я хочу два килограмм мороженого. I want two kilograms of, of ice cream. She goes, we don't have any. And I was like, excuse me, I want to make sure I understood, you know. And then we had a, a, a discussion. But I learned patience <laughs> through that situation of, you know what, Matt, it really isn't, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And I learned patience. So my point is, opposition brings refinement of character. If you have no opposition, you're probably not growing. You're not looking more and more like Jesus if you face no opposition because it causes you to deal with what's inside, what's really about you that we hide behind our nice religious, you know, we put makeup on our nice religiosity. And Jesus goes, you know what, I actually want to deal with your heart. And so he brings, I allows opposition to come into our lives because it refines us and we can get to go, okay, Lord, And the fourth thing that opposition brings to you, the fourth benefit, and I'm only like a quarter way through my sermon, by the way. Uh, fourth thing that opposition brings to you is it strengthens you for greater things. You don't want to be taken out by the simple stuff. When you begin to walk in what Jesus has for you, when he puts you in that prime position where your voice will be amplified, the testimony of Jesus will be amplified, all that he has invested you in you begins to come out and gets amplified. You don't want to be taken out after 30 seconds in that position.
You want to be able to go through opposition, to go through problems, to go through situations that test you so that when you get in there and the person goes, wow, they are obviously tried. Have you ever heard that said before? That person is a tried person. They've been through the storms. They've been through it. And their voice actually amplifies greater. I can testify to the faithfulness of Jesus. Do you know how I can testify to the faithfulness of Jesus? Because I've walked through the many times of going, Jesus, are you going to be faithful in this situation? I'm going to hold on to you, Jesus. And when he shows himself faithful, then I can go, wow, he is faithful. And after multiple times of that, I can declare with boldness, Jesus is faithful. He can restore you. Jesus is not overwhelmed by the situation that you're facing at this moment. I know it's overwhelming to you because it's greater than your strength. I'm not trying to make it less. I just want to encourage you to see, no matter where you are at this moment, Jesus is greater than that and can give you the understanding, the wisdom, like it says in James, if any man lacks wisdom. He can give you the ability to walk through this situation and become stronger, turning your stumbling blocks into stepping stones. So Nehemiah here, let's get into Nehemiah, right? Nehemiah chapter 4, because your finger's there. He says, now when uh, Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, when Satan heard that we began to move forward, he was pretty ticked off. He was greatly enraged, and he began to jeer at the Jews. Jeering means to... Uh, like speak divisively to uh, talk down to, oh, you think you can? You know, you'll never do this. It'll never happen. You ain't got it what it takes. That's the kind of jeering, you know. Oh, look who, look who walked into the room. You know, it's a sarcastic thing to cause you to trip up. He begins to jeer at him, and he said in the presence of all of them in the army of Samaria. So he's, he, he's, uh, he's saying it, uh, he's got all these people who agree with him, and he's saying it to all, all of them. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and the burned ones at that? And then Tobiah the Ammite, who I think was like this little minion uh, next to him there who just like jumped in and lived off of the power that Sanballat had. Because he goes in and he goes, yeah, what are they building? If a fox goes up to it, he'll break it down, the stone wall. You, you know what I mean? See, Nehemiah 4.1 this first part here, it reminds us when Satan attacks, the first thing that he's going to attack and, and test to try to take out your legs, the first one he attacks is you. Do you remember in Revelations uh, chapter 12, verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. That blood of the lamb part is you and your relationship with Jesus. Are you under the blood or are you not under the blood? Is it about your righteousness or is it about his righteousness? So the first thing that he attacks is, are you able? Who are you? What can you do? You are feeble. You are self-centered, selfish. This is all about you. Why would you even be doing this? What are you trying to prove? He hits every motivational question possible to try to get you to go, 
I am not worthy to walk this out. The blood of Jesus isn't enough. And so I'm going to step out here on my own, and that just takes your legs out from underneath you. He attacks you to get you to focus on you instead of seeing Jesus. You know, it's kind of funny here. Well, it's not funny. It's definitely uh, the Holy Spirit. He must want to really emphasize it this morning because I have in my notes uh, this part right here where notice that he begins to accuse you to you and that you need to answer. The answer to this is to see Jesus. And what David, if you remember when he came up here earlier, what what did he say to you? Psalms 139, 17 and 18. What you need to do, you know, Satan goes around and he's trying, to, he's trying to speak his thoughts over you and God wants you to hear his thoughts. Because Satan's going to constantly talk to you about how bad you are. Satan's going to speak over you his thoughts, Satan's thoughts. Because if you agree with them, you're no longer under the blood of Jesus. You have limited the power of Jesus because you agree with Satan. Limited the power of Jesus to do what Jesus wants to do. So you have subjected yourself to the will of Satan. Ouch. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, what's your will for my life? And what David was talking about is hearing the Lord's will for the situation, seeing Jesus in the moment. What are his thoughts? And he was saying, be specific in your questions. You know, if you're struggling in your marriage, ask, Lord, what do you see about my spouse? If you're struggling with your kids, Lord, what do you see about my child? If you're struggling with your coworker, Jesus, what do you see or how do you see Mrs. Smith? Because I don't like her. And if you do that, it is shifting away, it's taking, it's disarming the enemy, and it's putting the blood of Jesus over the situation. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Because if Jesus can forgive all of this garbage, he can forgive all of their garbage. So Satan comes in and he tries to accuse and say, who are you? You aren't able to do this. Trying to get them away from seeing what God had asked them to do. Seeing Jesus and the strength of the Lord to protect. See, we are either going to worship Jesus or we're going to complain. And complaining is worshiping the problem. So what do you spend most of your time doing? Do you face opposition and go, okay, Lord, wow, Jesus, I begin to worship you over this situation. I begin to declare, Lord, that you are greater than whatever this issue is, that you are able to do what you said. And I begin to quote the word over who you are, Jesus, and remind myself in this situation Or am I like, well, yeah, Jesus, you need to because they're just messed up and I'm messed up and this situation's messed up and ain't nothing going to happen and it's been 30 years and, you know, and this and that. That's another form of worship. Do you get the two intonations there? One is a... You see Jesus, you declare. And what they do is they continue to work here. And they, what he does, as Nehemiah does in verse 4, 
Hear, O our God, for we are despised. This is what they're saying, Lord. But you turn their back, you turn their taunts back on their own heads, Lord. Because what they're declaring is about themselves, not about us. What Satan just said, you know, that old Matt is in the grave. I'm putting on the new man. I, I accept what Jesus says about me. Come on. So then we see, they, uh, so they built the wall, verse uh, 6, and all the wall was joined together to the half of its height, for the people had a mind to work. They had set their hearts then. They, they were under the blood of Jesus. They were encouraged. They were willing to move forward. And once you get to that point, you're plugged into what Jesus has for you, the victory in that area. Satan's going to come back with a different tactic. He doesn't keep hitting you because you aren't listening to his attack against you anymore. Guess what he does? He starts attacking people around you. Especially in the sense of attacking your accusation or your trust of or your belief in or they attacked you. And what does that do? Well, you can see their goal here in verse 7. So when the two guys got together and they heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem were going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, things were beginning to get solved and there was the victory of Jesus was beginning to be visible. Verse 8, they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. If he can get you divided, you'll stop focusing on what Jesus wants you to do. And you'll start focusing on the problem again. That second part of Revelation chapter 12 is they overcame him by the blood and by the word of their testimony. Well, what good is a testimony if no one's going to listen to you? What good is a testimony if you have nobody to testify to? So first he attacks you, so you have no testimony. And then when you do have a testimony, he attacks your relationships. He tries to shut up every possibility of you being able to speak the victory that you have. He accuses you to you to others and others to you. And the whole point is to disrupt the work. So the way we overcome this is we need to walk like Jesus. We need to forgive, receive forgiveness, receive mercy and show mercy. Jesus went around doing good. Why did he go around doing good? Because he desired good for others. Jesus went around giving everyone what they deserved. No, that's not in there. Thank God. Some of the disciples did. You remember? They were like, should we call down fire? And Jesus like, you don't know what heart you're of. You're actually talking. This is Satan talking out of your mouth. This isn't my heart. My heart is to meet them where they are, to show my love, and get them out of this cycle that keeps the work moving forward. He'll try to get you to react, try to get you to lose your patience, lose your peace, lose your Jesus, 
So you revert back to the old person and it destroys the relationship and then you, your testimony just went out the window. Jesus is beautiful. He's beautiful, guys. And it takes practice in this. This doesn't just happen overnight, but it takes practice in the small stuff. You know, David, when he was uh, fighting with his men and they left for a battle, and while they were gone, these um, marauders, yeah, marauding band came through and took everything. And he and his men came back and they arrived there back in Ziklag, what a great name for a city, Ziklag, and there's nothing there. And all of his men begin to go, we should just kill David, look at this. Uh, and what does David do? He begins to worship and encourage himself in the Lord. He said, I'm not going to let this situation destroy my testimony. Jesus, I'm getting with you. I'm going to get your heart. I'm going to be the leader that you've called me to be. And that comes from seeing you, Jesus, and who you are and beginning to get the strength to declare it out. So Jesus, first and foremost, I declare you are who you are. You are faithful, Lord. And he builds himself up in who he knows Jesus to be, and then he declares, let's go get him, God. What's the Lord say? The Lord says, go get him. Let's go get him. And he rescues his family, and there's a great victory. But it takes practice in the small stuff. It was when you're at the bank teller, and things aren't going, and you don't lose it on the poor lady like I did on the ice cream lady. But in that moment going, okay, I don't want to be like this. I want to have patience. I want to bring Jesus, not Americanism, not Western. I want to bring Jesus. And Jesus, what would you do? And begin to bring that in and walk that out so that when you face the ziklags in life, they don't turn you over. You just go, okay, Jesus, like David, I'm beginning to worship you. I'm beginning to trust you. I'm beginning to thank you. And know that you're going to bring me through and bring us through because you are the God of victory. You said that we're, moral, we're overcomers in Christ Jesus. So I declare I'm going to be able to overcome in this situation. And I look for your guidance and your wisdom to overcome. So as you're building this wall, guys, you're going to face opposition. Recognize the opposition. Is it against you and you need to look to the blood of Jesus? Is it a lie to others to divide you off? It's accusation constantly, and you need to look to Jesus and begin to declare who he is. What's going on? Make the move that you need to. I've said this a lot, but I'll say it again. If you are constantly feeding yourself with negative things and the message of Satan and what Satan thinks so much that you cannot hear Jesus, you're going to need to turn some of this stuff off so that you can hear Jesus. If all of your reading is Satan's message to American culture and to your generation, and that's all you're reading, you're not going to have Jesus' message to America and your generation, whatever your generation is. We've got, I think, all five in here. If all you listen to is current event stuff that is depressing, you're not hearing what Jesus is saying. Because when I get with you, you're like, oh, it's so terrible. Oh, it's so terrible. No, it's not terrible. We are in a glorious time of the movement of Jesus, and people are begging to be saved. 
We just have to go out there and present the message. And if you face opposition, know that it's refining your message. So get your message right. Bring Jesus that they're going to be able to grab a hold of. It's going to refine your work. Focus on, on who Jesus has sent you to. It's going to refine your character. Get your bad character out of the way that's hindering Jesus from going forth. And it's going to make you strong and amplify your voice. So don't worry that you're facing opposition, but go out and bring Jesus and begin to build the wall around you, whatever that wall is. Jesus desires good marriages for you. He desires good family life for you. He desires financial stability. I'm not saying you're going to be millionaires, but you should be stable. It says in the word that I've, uh, David said, I never saw the righteous begging bread or their children. So there's stability, you know. And if that means not buying the latest junk because you really don't need it because you're, you're meeting a soulish need because you just keep buying whatever it is. and that, You don't have money because you keep buying whatever that, yeah, my TV's 95 inches now. Well, what, why wasn't 48 enough? <laughs> you know, walking in these things and allow Jesus to be glorified and keep that light burning strong. Keep that lighthouse light burning strong and sending out the message. So take the opposition that gets that light going good. Walk it through, guys. Because there is the victory of the wall. Amen, man. He's done and so am I. Let me just uh, read my notes here, make sure I'm not catching anything. So I encourage you this week, whatever opposition you're facing, uh, what is Jesus saying? I encourage you to do what David said this morning with Psalms. And you can read that at Psalms uh, 139, 17, and 18. What are God's thoughts about the situation, about you, about the person, whatever it is? What is Jesus saying? Do that this week when you face that. Get, get in there and hear Jesus so that you can bring the light of Jesus to that situation. Okay? Father, I thank you, Lord, for this beautiful church, each and every member, Lord. I thank you, Father, for this building that we get to gather in. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of air conditioning and electricity and all that we have. But, Lord, our most importantly, thank you that your presence here. Because, Lord, I, we would meet in a dark cave if we had your presence, Lord. We want you, Lord Jesus. We want you, Lord Jesus. We love your presence. Father, I ask you to uh, touch each and every heart and that no one would leave here, Father, in need of, have, of, of, of hearing from you, Lord. Speak, Father, I pray. Open our ears to be able to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.